This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. And as sometimes happens, we wind up with little time left to chat due to the length of both shows tonight. Suffice to say, you'll enjoy Duffy's Tavern at the half hour, but let's get things underway with our first offering, Lights Out. And the episode first aired in 1943, entitled Bathysphere. Arch Oblers, lights out, everybody. lights-out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. November of 1939. Astronomically, that isn't even a blink in the eye of the universe, but it's a very long time measured in the length of our own very ephemeral lives. On that day, I aired our next story. Remember that date, 1939. A lot of heartbeats before we went to war against the madness of Adolf Hitler and his friend Benito. Listen to Bathysphere. The sea is very quiet. Yes, Your Excellency. Will it be very quiet under the water? No motion, Your Excellency. I'm sure it'll all be very amusing. I hope so, sir. The captain ought to have everything ready by now, sir. If you'll excuse me now, Your Excellency, I'll go see. No, no, just a moment, Doctor. Yes, Your Excellency? I'm much too impatient, my dear young friend. One of the great joys of an experience is to savor it before it happens. Yes, stay and talk to me. As you say, Your Excellency. How far under will we have to go to break the record? Over half a mile. Mm-hmm. How far's the bottom? Just over the record mark. Deeper than any man's ever gone. It'll all be very amusing. Suddenly the wind's changed. Always at this hour of the day, Your Excellency. It's time to go. I assure you that the sea will wait for us. But I am the thought that... Don't think so much, my young friend. Thinking is an unnecessary pastime. The emotions are much more dependable. My thoughts tell me that this little excursion under the sea will be quite precarious. On the other hand, my emotions tell me that it will be most interesting and amusing. Your Excellency, we are ready. Oh, Captain, you too are impatient, huh? I, I don't know what you mean. That is to say... No, no, don't splutter. 
Now, come ahead, my young and impatient friend. They'll go aboard your diving bell and begin our little adventure. Come. Attention. You see, Your Excellency, we are quite ready. Oh, Doctor, is everything to your satisfaction? Did you put in an extra oxygen tank, Captain? Yes, sir. Everything just as you said, Doctor. The telephone communication been tested? Twenty times. Searchlight? I assure you everything has been tested, Doctor. The winch goes smoothly now. Why? Oh, yes, I believe. I don't want you to believe. I want you to know. But I assure you. Go and test it at once. Yes, Doctor. At once, Doctor. All right, then. Test number one. Aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye. Test number one. All right. Well, your thoroughness is most commendable, Doctor. We are going half a mile below the sea, sir. Nothing can be left to chance. The pressures down there are almost beyond imagination. Yes, I know, I know. Particularly on this dive, everything must be protection. You mean the record? I mean, Your Excellency, that your life is precious to the state. Yes. The press of the world has known me only as a record breaker in the world of what they so quaintly term power politics. By nightfall, they'll herald me as a record breaker in the world, world of science, eh, Doctor? If all goes well, Your Excellency. Yes. You have doubts? No one can predict the ways of the sea. What are you talking about? You'll be quite apart from the sea inside of the steel ball, this, this vast sphere. Oxygen to breathe, telephones with which to communicate, light with which to see. Why should there be any question? Question of the human factor, Your Excellency. <laughs> You're as cautious as they said. I like that. I, too, am a cautious man. Oh, yes, indeed. My success has been based upon determining that the unpredictable cannot occur before I... until I say embark upon my bold adventure. I'm talking quite frankly with you, eh, Doctor? Well, it pleases me to do so. For a few hours, we'll be locked up in that steel ball. There's no reason you shouldn't know a little about your leader, is there? You honor me, sir. For example, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt the steel cable which will drop us down beneath the ocean has strength enough to hold 50 such steel spheres as the one we'll be in. I know, too, that you have made, let me think, you've made 30 such descents off the floor of the ocean without the slightest misadventure. The men on this cruiser, they're specially trained for the work. And with my life in their hands, I'm sure they'll be particularly careful on this descent. Hey, Doctor? There is no doubt of it, sir. Already now, sir. Shall we go now, Your Excellency? Yes, of course, of course. Careful, Your Excellency. The deck is quite wet here. Well, thank you, Captain. Well, of course, sir. Thank you, sir. Attention! No, no, no formalities. Let the men go about their business so we can get started. Yes, Your Excellency. At your work, man. Would you like to get into the barbersphere first, Your Excellency? No, no, after you. Quite a small doorway, isn't it? How fortunate we're both small, lean men, Doctor. Lean men. Caesar once said something about that sort, didn't he? I don't know much about that sort of thing, sir. Oh, I didn't imagine, sir. Get in, Doctor. I'll follow you. Yes, sir. Head first into the steel ball. Quite without dignity, eh, Captain? Shall I help you, sir? No, no, I'll make it all right. You ready for me, Doctor? Come ahead, sir. And now, careful of the bolt end, sir. Careful. Uh, You're all right, sir? Yes, yes, of course I am. Well, what are we waiting for? Captain. Aye, sir. Close her up. Aye, sir. Your ears. Cover your ears, sir. Huh? 
The bolts and wing bolts that hold the door shut, they have to be tightened by hammering with a sledge. Come your ears, sir. guarantee of a watertight seal, sir. My ears. All well in there, sir? What's that? A voice for the telephone, sir. They'll communicate with us from the deck every three minutes. If one of us doesn't answer within half a minute, the orders are to pull us up. An excellent safety precaution. Yes, indeed. All well in there, doctor? All well. They're moving. Yes. Lifting us out to the end of the boom, and then down we go. Look, sir, you can see the deck down there through the windows. Glass and clear clearest in the world. Quartz glass to stand the pressure. Letting us down in the water, aren't they? Yes, sir, in a moment. We're under. Yes, I... I turn the oxygen higher. The light. So green. Yes. Soon it will be blue in a darker blue until at around 2,000 feet we'll be in a darkness that goes beyond dark. Complete eternal night. Eternal night under the water. How amusing. watching the water. You said it would be at night. It isn't black, it's... It's blue. Strangest blue. A few more hundred feet and uh, there will be no more color in the water, sir. The light out there. What? I can't quite make it out, sir. Perhaps some sort of a luminous plankton. (laughs) It's amusing. The fish is carrying along their own electric plants. The dark's alive with them, sir. Oh, look, sir. Small flat fish. You see, even his teeth gleam with the luminous mucus. I caught that thought in the trawls. They can eat organisms as large as they are. Wait, I'll, I'll turn on the searchlight and you'll see. No, 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 never mind. I didn't come under the sea out of any interest in those bits of fish. As you say, sir. They light up like a train in the dark. Oh, but the portholes of the boat be a more appropriate figure of speech. Well, seen one, seen them all. All well down there, sir? All well. How far down now? Ask him. How far? 1,350 feet. Right. Make good time, huh? Yes, sir. They lower us very quickly, sir. 
A six-foot ball containing a very honest young man and the leader of the state. Headed for... What should we say, Doctor? A new record, sir. Is that as far as your imagination carries you? At the moment, I cannot say, Your Excellency. Now, perhaps when we reach the end of the cable, we'll discuss life and death very profoundly, eh, my friend? Philosophy under the sea. <laughs> Here at the bottom of the sea. What? What's happened to you? 
all of a sudden you... Now, the excitement of creating a new record, a little too much for you, eh, my young friend? Well, it's understandable. Now, seeing the ship from heaven draws up, your little adventure is over. Did you hear me? I said signal the ship. How? You're out of your mind completely. Telephone them. At once, you hear me? The telephone consists of a carbon transmitter, receiver, actuating battery, and connecting wire. We have no telephone. Get to one side. Hello. Hello up there. Hello. Hello, answer me. Hello. Hello, blast you, answer me. Hello. Potato? The wire's torn loose. Would you know how to fix it, Your Excellency? Huh? I see it. It happened when we bumped on the bottom, didn't it? Well, can't you fix it? I can, but I won't, Your Excellency. What is this? It's taken you a great number of moments longer than I expected to ask that question. You noticed that I've called you Your Excellency a couple of times, but that was the end of that. From now on, I will call you Your Infernal Excellency. How amusing. Still amusing. Yes. I don't believe it. You think it's some kind of madness on my part that you'll do something about it? Not I, you. I? You have an emergency way of signaling. Yes, I know you have. You flashed the searchlight on and off three times, and the flow of current registered up on deck, and they know that it's an emergency. I'll go ahead and do it, and perhaps I'll forget your little... Shall we call it... joke? I am quite content to stay down here. Turn on the searchlight. All right, I'll do it myself. Why waste your time? You've so little of it left. What do you mean by that? The searchlight, too, is disconnected. Why? There's no need of it. It will be best to die in the dark. Die? Yes. This is impossible. I investigated you, your record, your family, your associates. Clearest record in the state. You have no reason on the world to kill me. Kill me? I'm fairly funny. A young, empty-headed fool killed me. That's <laughs> very amusing. You'll be afraid soon. Is it possible that you've forgotten the final emergency signal, you fool? Yes, I said signal. The signal of silence. I'll try the telephone the schedule, and when we learn our answer, they'll pull us out. Have you forgotten that? been more than three minutes since the last signal. If what you say is true, why aren't we moving? We... We are. For all I know, we... We are. Are we? The darkness, who can tell if there's enough for motion? You know we're motionless. As quiet as in a tomb. Appropriate, then. And we'll stay here. I know that. Huh? That leave up on the roof that I pulled. Well... Through the end of the steel cable, free. Yes, sever the cord between ourselves and the ship and the world. No. We are here, Your Infernal Excellency. Down here to stay. No. You lie. I don't believe you. They'll pull us up. The telephone, here. Here, you up there, listen. Get me up. Get me up. You up there, hear me. It's your leader. Get me out of here. 
Get me out of here, you hear me? Get me out of here. Out of here. Oxygen left for another hour, and it takes you ten precious minutes of your precious life to believe. You do believe you're going to die now, don't you? I'm sure nothing could happen. Every detail of the machinery, the record of every member of the crew. And I was one of those who was perfectly harmless. Yes, your past. Since a boy trained in the schools of the state. The father an official. Why do you do this to me? Why? Your ego is so great that even now, knowing you're going to die here with me, you're less concerned with death than you are with knowing wherein you failed. Answer me, why do you do this? You were trained in my schools, brought up to think the way you should think. Who up there made you do this thing and why? It will be a slow death. As slow as the death of my country. Answer me, who and why? Your mouth will bite for air. There won't be enough to let you live, and yet there'll be enough so that you won't quite die. You'll tell me you will. Your lungs will reach up through your mouth. A breath of air, just another. There won't be another. And as you die, you'll know it. I want to know one thing. Why do you do this? Why, why, why? Yes, I'll give you your whys. You trained me in your school. And from morning to night, what went into my head was only what you decreed was right and proper for a good citizen of your eternal state to know. Yes, you crammed my head full. But there's one place you and your books and your speeches couldn't reach. My heart. Your heart? Yes, heart. You heard me, heart. My head said believe. My heart said no. My head said obey. My heart said no. That's the image of mistake, you devil. You didn't start in young enough with me. For the heart that was born inside of me has brought you here to die. Die. I don't understand. Wait, I, I'll turn a little more oxygen on. That'll give me a little more strength to keep on telling you your fires and cut the breath left for you after I'm finished. What was I saying? Yes, that you didn't condition me quite well enough. Should have started with the embryo, for somewhere along the line a little humanity got inside of me that cried out against what you were doing. It grew and grew until it said you had to die. And you will die. Yes, here in the black under the sea. And they won't roll drums for you, march for you. Ended here. What have you to say to that? You fool. Fool? Is that all you answer? Yes, fool. You think I'm a fool to die here with you? You call me a fool when I know that ending here, I give a new beginning to those up there. Yes, such a fool. Well, stop saying that. They won't say it back in the cities when they know that they're free. You fool? You think the freeing them of me will make them free? Yes, yes, of course it will. I call you fool again. How do you think I became the head of the state? Through my great wisdom? I'm really not so wise. Through my great courage? No man has courage of that sort to stand up single-handed against the bullets and the bayonets of the entrenched powers. And how? How did I do it? With lies and ruthlessness and cruelty, I know. You don't know a thing. You saw the end result surrounded by pomp and circumstance and you couldn't see the means. All right, I know I'm going to die. When a man is expected to die as long as I have, the actuality isn't quite as frightening as you might think. Since I am going to die, I'll have the one small satisfaction of showing you that you're an empty-headed fool. Stop saying that! Ah, you too have an ego. Apparently it's lived for weeks on how you'd make me plead and beg and squirm down on my knees. I had a few moments of hysteria, didn't I? You like that. You don't like this. 
my sitting in the dark so calmly, telling you that you're a fool? I haven't failed. You're here. You failed because if you're killing me and yourself to give them back their freedom, whatever that word means, you're dying quite in vain. You're saying that because you think... No, don't talk. Listen to me. I'll tell you where you failed. I came into power not alone through my own strength, but because the conditions of our country were such that other men sitting on their wealth came to a decision that I alone could keep them there. But it was you... I tell you, listen... When an ancient rule of privilege is threatened, it seeks to live no matter what the cost. The cost of them was me, and they found me worth it. For I threw to the mass none of the wealth that work to build, but only fighting phrases of prejudice and hate to cost the men who made me nothing but the rent of the halls for the simple to hear my opiates. And so I call you fool. Fool to die and fool to kill me. Well, the conditions that made me will still exist when I'm dead. You free them of me. What of hunger? What of ruthless exploitation? These will still be free up there to put hate and desperation into men. And so the ones who gave me power will find a new leader to stop the rumblings of rebellion with all the tricks that I taught them. A new leader. You hear me, fool, a new leader. No, it isn't true. It can't be true. It's so dark. If I could see your face to see the fool discovering he's a fool. They will be free. They will, they will. What magic do you think will come into the air when I'm dead? Your men forget that greed and say, Oh, we've quite enough. That's enough for everyone. Let each share according to his needs. No fool. With me or without me, the game will be played just as it always has been played. So you're a fool and die like one. I, well, what could I have done? I had to do something. I'll tell you what you could have done. You could have done the one thing that would have in time helped destroy not only me, but those who made me. You could have gone to the people. What? Yes, walked among them, worked among them. And at every chance whispered to them the things I kept from them. No, around your neck every time you opened up your mouth. And yet, in that talking of liberty and freedom and common decency and all the rest of that sort of thing, there's been far more meaning than this futile murdering of me. I've had them hunted down and shot each of those who dared to whisper among the people. But as they died, I didn't call them fools because I knew that they were wise. Not only through the will to live and do of the great bludgeoning mass of their people was their hope of making that new world they wanted. Oh, why have I bothered talking? Yes, Faker. Tired. Hand me something heavy, fool. Why? 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 More explanations? All right, the last one. You think I'm going to sit here and wait and count my every breath until the dark's crawling with horrors and I'm crawl... No. I'll end it now, quickly. Here's faster than a bullet shot. Give me something heavy, I tell you. I'll smash the glass. The water, tons of it, smashing in. I'll be dead, 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 faster than the thought and never ended. Give me something to smash the glass or I'll... All well down there, sir? Voice. Telephone. All well.
take us up. We're moving. There's water on the glass. We're moving. Doctor, the cable. I lied. But all this time, why? My orders to the crew were to leave us alone on the bottom as soon as the slackening of the wire showed them we'd hit the bottom. Telephone. I reconnected it. I just talked. Then, you didn't really mean to kill me. Kill you? Yes, I meant to kill you. Had it all planned out. Tell you what I told you, and then you'd go quite crazy with fear. And after that, I'd kill you. 2,900 feet. All well down there, sir? All well. And yet you didn't. The lights of the creatures out there. Thinking of stars on a cold night. Why didn't you kill me? I want to know. What would have been the good of it? A fool and a figurehead die together. No good of it. So you believed me. Even a fool can understand futility. Water's getting lighter. Soon we'll be back. Up there. It'll be very strange at first. I don't much care now, yet I'll ask. What happens to me? You? I told you many things down there, didn't I? Yes, too many things. A man, in doubt as I was, talks too much. And since you of necessity heard what I said, when we get there, I will probably have you shot. The victim sentences his murderer. It will be most amusing. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Archie the bartender to answer a call from his boss, Duffy, at the tavern. Hey, let's make it a happy party. Huh? Yeah. Everybody yeah. join. Everybody, Everybody sing. Let's, uh, let's have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Why the sure it's like the Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meet to eat Archie the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. What's new? Uh, nothing much. Uh, messenger just brought a package from that weight-reducing place, you know, the one that's been trying to take that blubber off your fat wife. No, no, there's no message. Just a white flag. <laughs> huh? What else is new? Well, you know, Mrs. Piddleton... Well, Abigail is now worth 100,000 bucks, thanks to Italy. Uh-huh. Her third husband fell into Vesuvius. <laughs> Am I going to console her? Better than that, Duffy. I'm going to marry her. Why? I got a lot of reasons. 100,000 of them. 
Okay, so she ain't got legs like Betty Grable. She ain't even got legs like Harry James. <laughs> Look, for a hundred thousand bucks, I'll be in a position to gamble that long skirts come back. <laughs> huh? What'd you say about Mrs. Piddleton? She's got a face that would what? Duffy, on behalf of my future wife, I resent that. God, dear. A face that'd stop a sundial. Maybe it wouldn't stop it, but it'd sure slow it down. Oh, yeah? I'll brook no more of these slurs on Mrs. Piddleton's ugly face, Miss Duffy. In a short time, I'm going to be making love to her. And I'm trying to get in the mood. And it ain't easy. Why don't you go practice over there? Practice? What do you mean? Rub noses with the moose head. Rub Rub nose with it. (laughs) That's a ridiculous comparison. Look at that moose head. Look at that long nose. Them bulging eyes. Them protruding teeth. (laughs) Darling! My, what something there won't do for a hundred thousand dollars. It ain't the hundred thousand, it's the principle of the thing. Do the same thing for 500. <laughs> Besides, it might not be too bad. At least Abigail is sophisticated. You've got to say one thing. She knows plenty about this world. She ought to. She's been on it long enough. <laughs> uh, Archie, you ought to be ashamed. What do you mean? Marrying for money. Can you think of a better reason? How about love? I love money. <laughs> But what about Mrs. Pendleton? You know what she thinks about taverns and saloon keepers? Well, I covered that, Fats. When I asked her to come down tonight, I told her that Duffy's is not a tavern. I'll go along with that. I beg your pardon? I, I told her we are now a tea room. Tea room? Ain't she gonna be a little surprised when she gets that orange pico with a head on it? <laughs> I'll just... Tell her it's the tea that made Milwaukee famous. Some tea room. Look at that painting up on the wall. The painting? Oh, she's been up there for years. You, you think the picture's a little too daring? Well, it ain't Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> uh, better turn her around. We'll use it as a dart game. <laughs> Now, what else can we do to tea room up the joint? Oh, how about going down to the antique shop and picking up a spinning wheel? Miss Duffy, there will be no gambling. (laughs) Now, leave us see if there's anything else objectionable that should be removed. Uh, Oh, Oh, hello, Finnegan. What you been doing all day? Oh, nothing much. Just sitting around in Cavendish's undertaking parlor. Oh, wasn't you taking a chance? No, no, I kept moving me arms around. <laughs> Joe, nobody brought up the question. Huh? Uh, nice atmosphere over there. Yeah, huh? Yeah. At least there's somebody to talk to. Who? Cavendish? No. Oh. <laughs> Finnegan, how come you hang around a place like that? But why not? Look at all the fun I had there last Tuesday. Fun at Cavendish's? Oh, yeah. It all started when I fell asleep in the back room. And I had such a delightful surprise when I woke up. You did, huh? Yeah. All me best friends was looking down at me. (laughs) 
Well, why didn't you get up? With eight pounds of gardenias on my chest? <laughs> Believe me, Ike, it was a proud moment for me, Ike. Why proud? For the first time, I was guest of honor at a party. <laughs> Finnegan, are you sure that this was a party? Of course. The big crowd was there. Some guy was playing the organ. Everybody was formal, including me. <laughs> and boy, duh, you should have heard the compliments I received. Yeah, huh? what kind of compliments? Well, as they walked by, everybody said I never looked better in my life. <laughs> and are you quite sure that they was complimenting you? Well, sure. Why else would they take me for that ride in the country? Yeah, had a nice ride, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Only when we got to the picnic grounds, the party started getting a little rough. What do you mean? Well, uh, I didn't mind when some practical joker threw me in a hole. And then he started throwing dirt in my face. But when that guy reached in to yank off me tuxedo, that was going too far. So what, what, what did you do? What did I do? I sat right up and I yelled out, Doctor, I am Clifton Finnegan. What did they do? They started throwing dirt in my face again. <laughs> Finnegan, why don't you go over in the corner and play alive? Oh, okay. Hey, fellas, wait for me. Oh, no. <clears throat> hey, that must be Mrs. Piddleton. Uh, hello, uh, Duffy's Tea Room. Mistress Archer speaking. Got it out. <clears throat> hello, uh, oh, it's you, Mrs. Piddleton. Look, uh, Abigail, my love, why ain't you here? You're about to take your beauty sleep? Uh, look, you think we got that much time? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just bursting to ask a certain question, Abigail. Yes, is a hundred thousand in cash or in bonds? <laughs> Miss Duffy, please. What, Abigail? Uh, what should you wear tonight? Uh, well, how about that, uh, that gray hat? Uh, you know, the one with the heavy veil. <laughs> you wish I was more of a family man? Well, look, ain't it enough that there'll be you and me and the hundred G's? <clears throat> you got to have a family man, huh? Well, I'll tell you what, Pity. Uh, stick on a bustle and come on down. We'll talk things over. Swell. Hey, Fats, I'm an expecting husband. How about playing the wedding march? Your wedding march? Yeah. I'm in the money. Fats! <laughs> that is not a wedding march. Now play something else. Down in Louisiana, there's a boy who plays the piano. Plays it like you never heard before. He's got a face around and mellow. When he laughs, he shakes like jello. Weighs around 244. And when he plays... It sounds swell They stand around and beat their feet And clap their hands and yell Brother Fats Play me a tune Brother Fats Play it real soon Play it like you never ever played it before Take it from the intro and then play it once more Brother Fats Brother Fats Play that melody Play it on the bottom Play it on the top Play it on the top 
Straight in the middle. Don't you ever stop. I want to hear those big hand pound any time that I'm around. Brother Fats, play me that tune, Brother Fats. Play it real soon. Play it like you never, ever played it before. Take it from the intro and play it once more. Brother Fats, Brother Fats, play that melody. Fats, that was great. I think I'll let you play at me wedding. Is there any money in it? There is for me. <laughs> Mr. Archie, <laughs> Arch, you know there ain't gonna be no wedding. Why not? You heard what Miss Piddleton said on the phone. She's looking for an old, substantial family type. Well, I've always been a home-loving man. Yeah, but who were you home-loving? Miss <laughs> Duffy... Despite what some people infer, I can quite often be found dabbling around in the kitchen. Only because you take your bath in the sink. <laughs> yeah, but when I'm taking a bath, I'm still washing dishes. <clears throat> anyway, what makes you such an authority on family life? Because Papa set such a wonderful example. Every night he comes home, flings open the door, and then you know what he does? Falls flat on his face. <laughs> I'm not speaking of holidays. <laughs> he called out to Mama, Where is my fat angel? He calls her angel, huh? Yeah. That's probably just wishful thinking. That's your opinion. But after all these years, Papa says Mama is the most beautiful woman in the world and that he wouldn't give up a single acre. <laughs> Oh, they were certainly made for each other. Yeah, hands just fit perfect around his throat. <laughs> hmm. Archie, they haven't had a fight in years. Oh, occasionally they may quarrel over something like, say, pipe smoking in the living room. So Mama gives in. She smokes on the back porch. <laughs> well, I hope my bride will be more compatible. Uh, by the way, Finnegan. Uh, yeah, I... Has Mrs. Pendleton showed up yet? Is she about four feet tall and wearing short pants? Certainly not. Oh, then in that case, your little nephew just come in. Oh, well, it is me little nephew, Morton. <laughs> Morton, I guess you just couldn't stay away from your old Uncle Archie, hmm? Uncle Archie, I find you tedious, odious, despicable, and disreputable. <laughs> <laughs> ah, kids always love me. <laughs> but, uh, Morton, how come you ain't at school? Remember, Uncle, you did my homework for me? Yeah. That's why I'm not at school. <laughs> oh, well, uh, make yourself to home, Morton. Uh, by the way, you, you remember Finnegan, don't you? Indubitably. Huh? <laughs> Well, a lot of people have a bad memory for faces. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll have to make the introductions all over again. Uh, Morton, this is Clifton Finnegan. Delighted. Uh, uh, thanks. Glad to meet you, too. No, no. Uh, pleased to make your acquaintance? No, no. Uh, likewise, I'm sure... That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> used to want to get along great together. Uh, what do you think of Mr. Finnegan, Morton? Well, 
Miss Professor Hooten of Harvard would say he's probably of human origin. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Morton. Don't go by what outsiders say. Finnegan, that was a compliment. Oh. oh. Well, uh, Morton, how's it uh, feel to be back in a tavern? I can answer that by asking you a question. What? Did I see a snake just pull its head in that bottle? Or is it merely the airway going down for the third time? <laughs> Very clever, Morton. Uh, too bad I ain't got a son like you. Uh, now, wait a minute. Mrs. Piddleton wants a family, man. So? Morton, my son. What? Finnegan, meet me new son. Gee, Art, you look just like Morton. <laughs> I am Morton. Oh, well, that explains your resemblance. <laughs> Uncle Archie, you mean I'm to help foster this delusion by impersonating your offspring? I ain't asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to call me Pop. That's all. Uh, but uh, what about Mrs. Piddleton? What about her? Won't she get wise that the kid is artificial? <laughs> Not at all. I'll be honest with her. I'll just tell her the kid is a result of a distant marriage. <laughs> Well, Morton, uh, what do you say? Would you like me for a father? Well, in these days, I suppose you have to take what you can get. <laughs> Look, Morton, don't think of it as gaining a father. Think of it as losing an uncle. Well, now, that makes it a little more attractive. <laughs> I knew you'd see it my way, kid. Okay, Morton, you're now me new son. What price heredity? <laughs> Mr. Archie, you ain't gonna fool Mrs. Pilton with that father stuff. What do you know about being a father? Well, I never raised no kids of my own, but what's the to it? When they're babies, you give them a bottle. When they're little kids, you give them a lollipop. And when they're in the teens, you give them ice cream. And when they're grown up, back to the bottle again. <laughs> Hey, Archer Dame is just coming through the door. Sideways? Yeah. That must be Mrs. Piddleton. Fats. Yeah. Kindly announce Mrs. Piddleton. Okay. Fats, <laughs> uh, don't be such a wise guy. Archie, you dear, dear boy. Well, welcome to our tea room, Mrs. Piddleton. Or may I call you Abigail? <laughs> oh, please, no. Uh, lover? Oh, no, no. Wife? Try a mother. <laughs> we'll uh, save the name calling till after we're married, but I'm forgetting the jovialities here. First, Mrs. Piddleton, may I express my heartiest condolences on your late demented husband? Well, Archie, Hiram was a fine man, and no one can say he wasn't thoughtful enough. To die? <laughs> Certainly not. I mean, he left me quite well off. Oh, but I'm finding out that even money has its worries. Abigail, leave me share your worries. <laughs> Archie, I think it's a little too late for us. Years ago, we should have met. Just think. We could have spent our time attending symphonies, going to the opera, enjoying chamber music, listening to lectures. Well, maybe it's just as well a pace like that would have burned us out by now. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello? Huh? 
Oh. Okay. Mrs. Piddleton, we got to get married right away. Now, who was that on the telephone? The finance company. <laughs> Archie, are you only interested in me for my money? Oh, perish forbid. Oh, come on, uh, leave us hold hands here in the corner booth, and I'll show you. Uh, Fats, uh, put out the lights. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hi, Abigail, you look good in this light. <laughs> oh, dear boy. You're such a flatterer. Leave me hold your hand. My goodness, your hand is much smoother than I expected. Archie, you're holding my alligator bag. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> uh, tell me, Abigail, uh, would it uh, startle you if I was to... Suggest that we make a few advances? Whatever do you mean? Would you like to advance me a few bucks against that hundred grand? I beg your pardon? <clears throat> Not ready yet, huh? Okay, uh, leave us do it the romantic way. Uh, Abigail, you are the loot of my... I mean, the love of my life. <clears throat> and now I have a little surprise for you. Close your eyes. All right. Archie, take your hands out of that alligator bag. <laughs> Abigail, I resent your inference. Are you suggesting that I, the manager of a prosperous tea room, would stoop to filch you for a couple of crass bucks? That's another thing, Archie. What? In this tea room. What about it? You don't fool me a bit. In what respect? Well, tea rooms have, have lace curtains and dainty furniture. And vases on the floor with flowers. Well, our vases used to hold flowers, too, but the tobacco juice killed them. <laughs> and, and another thing, the tea rooms have gypsy fortune tellers who read tea leaves. Well, we got a gypsy fortune teller, too. Really? Where is she? Well, she happens to be out at the moment buying some bifocals so she can read the smaller leaves. <laughs> Well, speak of the devil if it ain't Gertie the Gypsy. What? I am so glad you have returned, Gypsy fortune teller. Oh. I am the Gypsy, and I know many things, for I walk by night. Gertie, please stick to the tea ladies. Never mind what you do by night. Go ahead, Abigail. Give me your teacup. Very well. Tell me, Gypsy, what do you see in the tea leaves? A fly. <laughs> that must have been left over from the consomme. <clears throat> now, continue, Gypsy. Do the tea leaves say what handsome, debonair gent will marry Mrs. Piddleton? Well, let's see. Oh, yeah, how to, to fung, kung wa. What's that? Chinese tea. <laughs> well, uh, try to translate as you go along. <clears throat> Very well. I see a young man in the tea leaves. Yes. He is very tall. Yes. And very handsome. Yes. He has bushy eyebrows and thick glasses. Why, Rodney Haybinder, what are you doing in there? Stop, stop trying to louse me up, will you? Oh, Jean, I've had enough of this. 
You're deceitful and greedy and just after my money. I'm leaving this place. Now, wait a minute, Mrs. Peddleton. So, so the place ain't no tea room. And Miss Duffy ain't no gypsy. And I am to an extent after your dough. But it ain't for my own vile purposes. It's just that I was... Well, I was sort of thinking of the kid. The kid? Yeah. My little son, Morton. Archie, you a father? Did I let it slip? <laughs> but, uh, but where, where is the mother? Well, I'm sorry you brought that up. It's a pretty sad story. Oh, what happened to her? She was killed in the crash of 29. <laughs> so you see, uh, Morton ain't like other kids. Why, I don't say it's his fault. I guess he just inherited it from me. What's the matter with him? He's a genius. <laughs> Studies day and night. Always under a microscope. <laughs> oh, so you're a family man after all. Well, for the moment, yes. <clears throat> but Morton may not be with us very long. Why not? We can't afford the operation. What operation? Doctor says the kid's got to be operated on for the pickets. The what? The pickets. Uh, malnutrition, you know. <laughs> got it from eating too much scurvy. <laughs> and as I say, we ain't got the money for the operation. Ooh, well, if this is the case, perhaps I ought to reconsider. Uh, by the way... Who is your doctor? A doctor? Let's see. What is his name again? Uh... I am the gypsy. Not you and... this time. <laughs> uh, the doctor is uh, Dr. Slaughter. I'm expecting him any minute. Uh, will you excuse me? Hey, Finnegan. Uh, yeah, I... Finnegan. Uh, could you be an M.D.? An M.D.? Oh, sure. Good. What does it mean? <laughs> In your case, it means mentally deficient. <laughs> Got it, Finnegan? Uh, I got it, Arch. Okay. Who are you? Don't be silly. You've known me for years. <laughs> Please, try to remember. Yeah. You're Dr. Slaughter. Dr. Clifton Slaughter. P-H-D, L-L-D, M-D. You don't have to spell it out, Arch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured I'd be on the safe side. Now... Now, what do you do first? Uh, I take out the kid's pulse. No. no. You think, don't take his pulse out. You, you just take them. Where? In a thermometer. Oh. Then you look through your stethoscope to see if he has any symptoms of cardiacs in his heart, see? But what if I find a couple, Arch? Well, then you simply say, this boy has Aunt Jemima pectoris. In other words, the white corpsuckles is eating the red corpsuckles. Uh, look, Art, this is an awful lot to remember. Couldn't we just break the kid's arm? Don't louse me up again. Well, don't I... worry, Art. Just depend on me. I won't let you down. Promise? Promise. Man to beast? Man to beast. <laughs> oh, Morton. Yes, Uncle Archie. Uncle Archie, no. Pop. Okay. Pop. All right. Now, remember, you, you act like you're anemic, see? Anemic? Yeah, you can't remember a thing. 
I don't want you to tip your mitt. Uh, uh, Mrs. Piddleton. Yes, sir. Uh, Mrs. Piddleton, I would like you to meet my son, and I hope the future heir to our fortune. <clears throat> Hello, Mrs. Piddleton. My, what a fine young man. And where were you born? Chicago. New York. <laughs> New York. Chicago. <laughs> In two cities? His mother was traveling at the time. <laughs> I see. And um, how old is he? Ten. Twelve. Twelve. Ten. And uh, how do you explain that? He lost two years changing schools. <laughs> yep, Mrs. Piddleton, that's the story. I've been both father and mother for this little trike. Sending him through school. Massaging his little brain before examinations. Washing his little pantaloons by candlelight. Mm, Morton... You should be very proud of your father. I am of my father, but that jerk. Uh, <clears throat> Mrs. Pillins, you see, no memory. Suspicious anemia, Asia. Uh, I think we'd better have the doctor look at him right away. Uh, calling Dr. Slaughter. Calling Dr. Slaughter. Calling Dr. Slaughter. Benning, that's you. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I am Dr. Slaughter. Well, glad to see you again, Doc. You just got here in the nick of time. Yeah, she looks terrible. <laughs> the patient is Morton over there. Oh, 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 well, in that case, let me take out my thermometer. Just a minute, Doctor. Uh, that is a stethoscope. No wonder it won't fit in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, look, Doc, uh, what do you want the kid to do? You want him to stick out his tongue? Why, is he mad at me? <laughs> oh, gee, what's the matter with this doctor? Well, he's a little dizzy. He spent the last six months testing cigarettes. <laughs> Tell me, uh, Doctor, what is your professional opinion of this case? Uh, well, sir... Uh, I just checked the boy's pulse against my pulse. Yes? One of us is dead. <laughs> Doctor, you mean... Yes, sir. An immediate operation under Rita. But I ain't got no money for Rita. And if a certain lady does not say, I do... Before I count three, we'll... Afraid we'll just have to hit the kid over the head with the bone starter. Now, look, this has gone far enough, Uncle Archie. Ooh. Uncle Archie! Huh? Why, you... Give me that bone starter. Now, wait a minute, please, Mrs. Piddleton. Ouch! Ouch, me head! Good night! Oh, Morton. Morton, you dirty little crumb. On account of you, I've lost a hundred thousand dollars. Uncle Archie, don't think of it as losing a hundred thousand dollars. What? Think of it as gaining a son. Drop dead! <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Boston Blackie, followed by Father Knows Best. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, 
and The Garden Show.